not for the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. This day, I think, has been planned from long. The elder spoke to me about it from from long, I think weeks ago. We we are addressing we are talking about we are talking about uh, gayism and and other versions of it um, homosexuality and all its ramifications. It's not a very easy subject to deal with. It's not an easy subject to to address. It's something I would have loved to have avoided and not and not talk about at all costs. There are certain things that you honestly do not want to talk about. And for the simple reason that one, you are not qualified to deal with them. Two, you 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 are not better positioned and in all other respects to actually deal with them. And if it were another church that requested me to come and deal with this, I would have said no. But because it's Malihambe, I thought I will deal with it. Amen. And um, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. So we'll deal with it together. More in the afternoon, we'll deal with it. But I want to lay the foundation right now. And I've been reading up probably for the past two weeks, reading up, trying to refresh my memory on the subjects on this particular subject, you know, from a legal perspective, psychoanalytical perspective, ethical perspective, and all this. I've, I've dealt with this in the past, and I took a decision at some point that I'm not dealing with this, because it's, it's a bit too complex. Um, I'm more like a preacher who once stood up and said to his congregation, you know what, church, when I came to come and preach, two people knew what I was going to talk about. It was me and the Lord. But right now, only the Lord knows. (laughs) That's how difficult the whole situation is. But I'm laying the foundation, so I'm not really talking about it now. We'll talk about it in the afternoon. But I'm laying the foundation. So, 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 so whatever I'm saying, know that I'm laying the foundation. Have that in your mind, that this is the background that I'm laying. Uh, for what we will be discussing in the afternoon. So, I read from Matthew chapter 7 and I read verse 12. Matthew chapter 7 and I read verse 12. 
So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. May the good Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I God and our Father into your hands, I commit myself this day in Jesus' name. Amen. There have been videos, video clips that are making rounds for the past few months. Various people, but mainly um, by Joshua Maponga, where Joshua Maponga is making an argument on various interviews and interpretations, arguments for the decolonization of Christianity. And so most of them have been sent to me by friends who are non-Adventists. And they ask, what do you think about this guy's view? Because we know he comes from your church. So what do you think about this decolonization of Christianity? And I've listened to them. Listened to them carefully and I've given my response that this is what I'm thinking about what Joshua is saying. And in one of my responses to one of my friends who used to be an Adventist, by the way, but no longer an Adventist, and I said, I appreciate what Joshua is saying and to a certain extent I do agree with him but I don't think that Joshua is radical enough so people are saying he is radical he's a radical person I said but I don't think he's actually radical enough Because Joshua doesn't take his arguments to its logical conclusion. His own arguments, he doesn't take them to their logical conclusion. Secondly, what Joshua is saying now is what some of us have been saying 20 years back. He's only saying it now. And everybody's excited about it. But when we were saying it then 20 years ago, they didn't take us seriously. And this is what I mean by saying Joshua is not radical enough. Joshua said we need to de-Europeanize and de-Americanize Christianity. But then he moves and he says we need to Africanize it. 
And I'm saying, if you're going to de-Europeanize and de-Americanize, then for you to be consistent and logical, then you also do not have to Africanize. Because then you are becoming guilty of what you are accusing other people of. Because if Europeans Europeanized Christianity, and if Americans Americanized Christianity, and you are arguing that we must Africanize Christianity, why are you right and they are wrong? So if you are going to be radical enough, then you are going to have to say, we don't Americanize Christianity, we don't Europeanize Christianity, but we also do not Africanize it. But you see, here's the problem. And it's a very fundamental philosophical, logical problem with Joshua's argument, which he does not understand. And that most people don't understand when they listen to him and they get excited. And I said, the problem is Joshua is actually not talking about Christianity, if you listen to him carefully. He's talking about Christian religion. And for as long as you do not differentiate between Christianity and Christian religion, then you're going to have a problem. And where I realize that he does not see the difference, it is because Americans and Europeans actually religionize Christianity by giving it their own context. But then he argues against that, and then he goes on and he religionizes it by Africanizing it. Am I still speaking English? And then I said to one of these people, as part of my response, that I think Joshua and probably others need to come to where some of us are. And it took us years to get to where we are. Where we can actually say we need to be Christians without being religionists. So not only do we de-Europeanize, decolonize, de-Americanize, de-Africanize Christianity, but then we also de-religionize it. We de-institutionalize it. And then we become a Christian without becoming surnamed by an institution. So you can be a Christian without being anything else. So you can be a Christian without becoming an Adventist. Without becoming a Methodist. 
without becoming a Catholic, without becoming a Baptist, and you feel fine and are a Christian without feeling the need to belong anywhere. Now, that's radical. Because Christianity transcends institutions, transcends identities, transcends religions. Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is not an idea. Christianity is not doctrines. Christianity is not all these things. Christianity is a person. And that person is Christ. And Christ transcends everything else. And until we can grasp that, until we can understand that, we will always fight one religion by another religion. And it becomes a red race. And we, we are caught up in the same thing. So it's more like my poison is better than yours. And that's what we're doing. So, if we are going to talk about what we are going to talk about this afternoon, we then need to basically extricate ourselves from these conceptual entrapments for us to do justice to the subject. Because Christianity is very, very simple. But we have complicated it by philosophizing, religionizing, intellectualizing it, and rationalizing it. So, and institutionalizing it. But one of the reasons why we have done that, it is because then we realized that we could, we could actually corporatize and monetize it. So that we are no longer running churches, we are running businesses. Because ideas are commodities. Ideas are commodities. An idea is like a cloth. Your clothes, it's like a jacket. You're selling jackets, I'm selling ideas. You make money through the clothes are making money through my ideas. And that's what religion is. We have monetized it. So we need to, 
We need to sanitize Christianity. King, where's Kwan? We need to do that. And the best way to actually do it is to go to the founder of Christianity and say, when you founded Christianity, what did you have in mind? And allow him, yeah, nah, allow him to tell you that this is what I meant. More often than not, when we argue, husband and wife, siblings, it is because we always think we know what the other person means by what they say. Instead of simply saying, what do you mean? Tell me where, nah, by this utini. Ati minangiti. Ungati uti nguti. Then becomes a problem. Now, among other things, then, as a foundation for our discussion this afternoon, Christ says, Here is Christianity. Here it is. Do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. That's Christianity. That's being a Christian. Do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. Now, now, the beauty of that statement is, Jesus did not say, do unto others as they would like you to do unto them. Because the likelihood is, you will not know what, you'd li- what they would like you to do unto them. So it would be a very serious assignment, which you will always fail, by the way. Because even when they shall have told you what they would like you to do unto them, you will always misunderstand. There's no guarantee that you will understand. Not only that, you will not even understand the measure with which you should do what they would like you to do unto them. It's complicated. So Jesus says, you know what must be done unto you. You even know the measure in which it must be done. That, take it and do it unto others. Nikhil, anga shumayel. I'm still warming the engines. Not begun to preach yet. So, 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 that becomes the basis. And, and let me tell you, imagine if everybody else can do unto others as they would like those to do unto them. How peaceful and how beautiful this earth would be. Because point number one, the basis of your action or the basis of your desire that others 
must do unto you as you like them to do unto you will be the understanding winner of yourself not only in terms of your strengths but also in terms of your limitations your weaknesses winner so so i know my strengths and i know my weaknesses and this is how i want you to respond to my weaknesses. And do you know that more often than not, we like people to respond to us and do unto us that which we know we don't even deserve. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> because, 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 and, and, and I think that's the reason why Jesus put it that way. He put it exactly that way. Because he knows that all of us, all of us would like to be treated in a manner that is good, that we know we don't even deserve. We know. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, everybody loves to be praised. Everybody. Even when they know they don't deserve it. But the only time somebody is unhappy about praise is when that praise goes too much towards somebody else. But all of us, all of us want to be treated In a certain way. And Jesus says, if you can understand that, tend to other people. And in that way, they are a Christian. Let me let me let me let me let me throw the spanner in the works here. If you think you deserve to be killed. That you can go and kill somebody else. As long as when you are killed, you don't complain. That is Christianity. Neville? So that that ethic is not only a positive ethic, it's not only positive, it's also negative. If if I'm going to gossip about you, if I think I need to be gossiped about, then I can gossip about you. When you gossip about me, I will not complain. I will say, that's how I want you to treat me. That's Christianity. So I have no problem. You are more of a Christian when you do that, even when you do it negatively. That is being a Christian. Because, let me tell you something. If you know that you deserve to be gossiped about, and 
You don't gossip about other people. You don't do it because you don't want them to gossip about you, even though when you know you deserve to be gossiped about. That is not Christianity. That is hypocrisy. That is hypocrisy. So true Christianity says, I want to be gossiped about, so I'm going to gossip about you. In that way, please go and gossip about me. And then when you do it, then I'm saying, I'm happy. But then the question is, who wants to be gossiped about? Who wants to be gossiped about? Nobody. So Jesus says, do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. Do it. Here's another thing in this passage. It is that Jesus knows that none of us is perfect. All of us have defects. And all of us could have had defects that we don't have. So Jesus says, a true Christian will realize that I am not a cripple, but I could have been. So I'm going to treat a cripple in a manner that I would have loved to be treated even if, if I were a cripple. So a Christian doesn't look at another person and say, you are like this, and that I'm going to treat you like this. That I am not. Because a Christian then realizes that, but I could have been. I could have been. But I was not. And if I were, how would I have wanted to be treated? And therefore, let me treat you in that way. I hope I'm lying talk. Number nam. And that's Christianity. That is Christianity. But then we don't have to thumbsack what those values are. Because they are here in the Word of God. There are certain virtues, certain values that we have been taught in the Bible. And Christ says, those are characteristics of a Christian, which everybody deserves. And that now, where you are, where now, where now, you feel you deserve. And if you think that way, treat other people in that way. I'm going to share probably three or four when I sit down. 
Point number one. Point number one. All of us seated here want to at least be understood. And Jesus says, do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. You'd like to be understood? Understand. Other people. And when you do not understand them, it's not their problem. Understand that it's your problem. Don't make it their problem. So don't look at a person and look at a person's behavior, look at a person's, uh, uh, listen to a person's words and say, I don't understand this person. Fine, that's not her problem. That's your problem. So don't treat them on the basis of your own misunderstanding. Of them. And by the way, that does not make their behavior or who they are right. Fact of the matter is you do not understand. So you want to be understood? Understand. Now understanding doesn't mean you agree. Understanding doesn't mean you agree. You don't need to agree. You don't need to agree with alcoholism. You just need to understand where the person is coming from. That's all. That's all. You don't need to agree with that. You don't have to agree with a man who beats up his wife. You don't need to agree that. You all have to understand good. Where are you coming from with that behavior? Ovela happy. Nah, I may not agree with it. I don't. But where are you coming from? Can I try and understand? Because more often than not, we want to be understood. But we don't want, we don't even take time. We don't even make an effort to understand other people. We don't. And, 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 and Jesus says, you want to be understood, understand. You know, you know, you know, parents, particularly mothers, not fathers. Mothers. Mothers understand their children. Mothers. Fathers have no time. Fathers have rules. This is what you do, period. Mothers understand children. They do. And they understand. So, 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 so. Now I know it because I think I know that my mother understood us. Let me speak for myself. I've got my sister here. So I don't know if she will agree with me. But I'll speak for myself. Now, now, I think my mother understood me. And understanding does not always mean, mean okay, we are agree with you, but understands and understands 
understands. And let me tell you something. Sometimes not understanding is understanding. It's a reflection of understanding. Because most of us, we want to get to the details of trying to understand everything and not realize that there's a situation that you do not need to understand. And when you understand that you don't have to understand it, then you understand. <laughs> and, 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 and where do you pick that up? You pick it up when somebody speaks to you. Are you with me? Speaks to you, and you listen, and you don't even respond. And then somebody says, thank you for understanding, without having said a word. Because the person realizes that had you spoken, then you'd not have understood. (laughs) And mothers have a way of just sitting and listening. And just listen to the child. And say nothing and just do this. And that's it. And then the child says, Thanks, ma'am, for understanding. I once counseled a lady who had a problem. Over the phone. I was still in Cape Town. So after telling me her problem, I prepared for the counseling session. Had all the Bible verses, spirit of prophecy quotations, did a little research on the problem. You know, all. By the time she arrived, I was ready. I was ready for her. It was verse after verse, spirit of prophecy. I'm making an appeal. After about 30 minutes of speaking or something like that, not to Zwillis. But the point is, thank you. But you don't understand. So, Jesus says, do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. If you want to be understood, please understand. There's a verse in the Bible that says, Matthew chapter 7, judge ye not. Lest with the same judgment that he judge others, ye get judged. One of the reasons why you should not judge when as a human being is because you do not fully understand. You don't. Have you, have you asked yourself a question? Have you asked yourself a question? In the Bible, for instance, why would God get angry and kill people for sins 
that seem to be actually less serious than those that are committed by people that God will not kill. Let me give you an example. Here's a guy. Here is a guy. Babu Yolanda and Ak. And they are celebrating. Everybody's excited. Are you with me? And in the process, these people who are carrying the ark become careless. It's their problem. Because they are celebrating and dancing. And the Bible says David was in front. David was in front dancing. This guy comes. These guys come and they are dancing. And the ark is about to fall. By reflex action. Good intentions. Are you listening to me? I mean, this guy did not have time to sit and say, I'm going to defy God. I'm going to touch that thing. No, he didn't. He saw this thing falling, man. By reflex action. Reflex. Hey, And it dies immediately. God kills him right there and there. But I'm going to ask you a question. Why didn't he kill David, who was in front? Because the reason why that guy touched the, 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 the ark, which should have been touched by David, is because David himself had abdicated his position. That guy did what David should have done. But David was too irresponsible dancing there instead of being here guarding the ark. But this poor guy says, let me stand in. And he dies immediately. Now when you read it, on the surface, God is unfair. You don't understand. But God does. And one day we're going to ask him, say, but why did you kill that guy? And God will say, but you don't understand. Here are the facts. And the Bible says, all of us will say, just and righteous are your judgment, O Lord. Because he understands what we don't. Do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. Secondly, we all Not only want to be understood even in our weaknesses and imperfections, but we also want to be forgiven. Am I right? We want to be forgiven. And I'm going to tell you, forgiveness is not an action. Forgiveness is an attitude. Can I say that again? And I'll unpack it for you. Forgiveness is not an action. So forgiveness is not an action that says, also oh, you've wronged me. That's an action. So I'm forgiving you. So I'm performing an action. That offsets this. Forgiveness is an attitude. If you don't have an attitude of forgiveness, you will not act out forgiveness. 
So we all want, we all want to have, for people, we want people to have a forgiving attitude towards us. And that's why I'm talking about an attitude, I'm not talking about an action here. Because people can be perpetually wrong. And therefore you need to be perpetually forgiving. So it's not an action, it's an attitude. So they may act offensively when you may look at them. You may say, but their, 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 their behavior is, is, is um, what's the term I'm looking for? Is deviant. Their behavior is deviant. It's perpetually deviant. This is not just an action. This is who people are. And this is wrong. That's who they are. They are wrong. Now Jesus says, your forgiveness must be who you are. But as long as they're like that, you must be like this. Because that's what you'd like them to be towards you when you are like that. And because you couldn't be. Because you couldn't be. So, 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 forgiveness, forgiveness is not, is not an action. Forgiveness is a character. That's who you are. That's who you are. And you know why, why is it? It should be like that. Because that's how God forgives. God does not forgive actions. God forgives attitudes. And you know why? Because God says there is no one who's righteous. And there's no one who thinks right. All of them are perpetually evil. And the reason why we are not dead is because God has a forgiving attitude. Because sin kills. Do you understand? Do you understand when I say sin kills? What do I mean? Let me test this. What do I mean? When I say sin kills. What is in my mind? Let me first find out what is in your mind. Do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. So you want to find what is in my mind? Let me find out what is in your mind. What 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 is what what when I say sin kills? What what do I mean by that? And I can tell you, most people don't even know what that statement means. What, What what does it mean? Let me just test you. What does it mean? Can someone tell me, when I say sin kills, what do I mean by that? The results of what I'm doing. It will? It will end up in you dying. Anything else? And I can tell you, yes, Bob. Yeah. Now you see, 
I must give you an ordinary degree in theology. <laughs> because, because, because that's exactly what, what I mean by sin kills. I mean exactly that. I don't, you, know, you know when God said to Adam, do not eat of that tree. Don't eat of it. Are you with me? Because the day you eat of it, the day you will die. That day. What, what he meant was, you touch it, you eat it, you die. Not that something is going to happen two days later. You might die. No. That's not what God meant. What it, you, you, you do something, then you know sin, then something's going to happen, then you're going to get sick, then diabetes, and then... And then the kidneys will fail, and then ultimately, after 50 years, then you're going to, that's not what God meant. When God said to Adam, the day you touch this thing, that very day, that very day, you're going to die. Adam should have died that day when he ate, but he didn't die. Let me give you a story to help you appreciate forgiveness and an attitude of forgiveness. David David sees Bathsheba. Ne? Bathsheba is taking a bath. Now Bathsheba no be na agenda velenai. No, Bathsheba had an agenda. Bathsheba knew that at this time David is on the balcony. Because David always was on that balcony at that particular time. Bathsheba knew exactly what she was doing. So, so Bathsheba went there and she was naked, knew that David was looking at her. At her. Then David, like all men, yeah. we look and respond. <laughs> One base, what called that woman? They had fun. Bathsheba fell pregnant. And David realized I've messed up here. What if this woman is married? What to get the husband? From war. You remember the story? Yeah. What did come sleep with your wife to cover up my mess? And 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 Uriah refused. Yeah. And ultimately David realized this is going to be a mess. I must kill this guy. So David commits warm blooded adultery and cold blooded murder. Hey. And what happens? Read the story. God gets angry. Very angry. Then he sends Nathan. He says, go speak to David. And tell him that I'm angry. And Nathan, as he's going there, he's thinking, this guy is a king. And this guy kills. Doesn't mess around. <laughs> so I need to come up with a story here. All right? So it comes with the story. There was a guy who had many sheep, another one who had one. You know the story, isn't it? So then this guy who had one, I mean, many sheep had a, had a visitor. Instead of taking from his own sheep, then he decides to go take the only sheep that the other guy had. And, and David said, what? What did that happen? And he said, in Israel, he said, that man must die. 
Something like that never happens here in my kingdom. That person must die. You know what David was doing? David was pronouncing death sentence on himself. That's what he was doing. He was pronouncing death sentence upon himself. So, so, so Nathan, Nathan came up with that story, and I want to tell you that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that David can actually be the one who pronounces judgment upon himself. And then Nathan says, but you are the man. And immediately David realizes, shucks. And he says, I have sinned. Now go read what Nathan says after that. It blows my mind away. Then David, remember that he has already passed judgment, isn't it? But then David, then Nathan says to David, but you will not die. You will not die. Why will you not die? Nathan continues. And he says, the Lord removed your sin. So, the question is, when did the Lord remove the sin? When? Because sin kills. When did he remove it? Now, some people say, when he, got, when he repented, when he said, I've sinned, when he confessed the sin. I said, no, that's not true. Because sin kills. Immediately committed that sin, David should have actually died. But the Bible says, God removed that sin. Let me tell you when he removed it. He removed it even before he did it. God knew that he's going to commit sin. And that sin is going to kill him. He says, let me remove it even before he does it. So that I can save him. Oh, no, but that's a heresy for this. Where do you get that from? Uh-uh, I get it from somewhere. I get it from another text where the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who was slain for our sins even before the foundation of the earth. So when God said to Adam, the day you touch this tree, you will die. God knew that this fool is going to touch it. And that is why he sacrificed Jesus Christ even before he did it. To remove that sin. Yes, so that it doesn't die that very day. Otherwise, it should have died that very day. But the reason why it didn't die that very day is because Jesus died before he could do that sin. So that God could remove it even before he he committed it. That's the attitude that God has towards us. And God says, do you enjoy that? Is that what you want? How people should treat you? Do the same. In other words, when a person is different to you and they do what you think is not right and is revolting to you, your attitude is, I have even forgiven this behavior long before I knew about it. So you walk in here, my attitude is, my attitude is, I forgave this long before I even knew. Would you like this? Wow. 
Do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. All of us, third point, all of us, I said we want to be understood, we want to be forgiven, all of us wanted to be accepted for who we are. Do you want to be accepted for who you are? Then do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. Now, now, who, who are we? Who are we? If you want to be accepted for who you are, are you always right? Are you always good? Are you perfect? Are you an angel? But you still want to be accepted for who you are. Why do I need to change you in order to accept you? I can accept you without agreeing with you. I don't like white people, but I accept them for who they are. And I'm not saying to them, be black before I accept you. Why should you be like me before I can accept you? I know you are who you are, and white people for me is danger. But I'm going to accept you for who you are. I mean, after a long treatment, the way they treated us, let me tell you something. My attitude with white people is they are wrong until proven right. Don't trust them until they prove themselves trustworthy. But you know what? I'm going to accept you and understand for who you are. You are a racist. I don't like racism, but I'll accept you for who you are. Now, when you accept a person for who they are, does not mean you approve who they are and what they are. Doesn't mean that. We've got brothers that we are not proud of, aren't we? We've got sisters that we are not proud of, aren't we? All of us. All of us. All of us. Or some cousin or some crazy uncle. Or some aunt or something. We always have somebody in jail or Pumendelenish. Again. And that's why I go to our family, 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 family. Again. Call and say, Lord, what's your day? That's no savings. We also are lying in a kitty. Good house, I figured. Do we ever attempt to change those people before we accept them for who they are? Do we? We don't. In fact, we get to a point where we appreciate that. We say, you, I can't feel it. I'm born. I figure we're looking forward. I figure we're looking forward, even though this thing is irritating sometimes. But you say, Unje, Unje, this is who she is. This is how she is. This is who he is. But we love him. We appreciate. We even appreciate that. What is the day a feeling? We even miss that. 
We even miss that, that very thing that would have revolted you. We miss it. But we never attempt to change them. We accept them. And by the way, never ever attempt to change a person because you have no power to even change yourself. So, I don't agree with the color of your eyes. They irritate me. <laughs> but, bro, they are your eyes. They are your eyes. Are you with me? I'm not going to say until your eyes are blue. I'm not going to accept you. They are brown, they are brown, period. They are red, they are red, period. I'm just going to, that's who you are. And I'm going to accept you. Because now, you accept me. Or at least I want you to accept me the way I am. Ain't that Christianity? Do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. Then you'll be a Christian. God bless you. Amen.